you take hold of a Bible and turn to page 884 and Daniel chapter 2. Last week, and we had a little bit of think about appearances and reality, we looked through the magic eye and we tried to see beyond the appearances of our world and into reality. And we saw two things, didn't we? We saw that no matter how it looks, God is in control. And not only is God in control, but he is good. And as we come to Daniel chapter 2, we're going to get a glimpse of reality again. And so as we start, why don't I pray uh, that we would see it. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, reveal to us the reality that is here in Daniel chapter 2. That we might not only know it, uh, but believe it and live it. And we pray that in the precious name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, um, this evening we're going to kind of um, go through Daniel little bit by little bit. So I'm going to invite Kate Selby up and she's going to read the first 13 verses of Daniel chapter 2 to us. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled and he could not sleep. So the king summoned magicians, enchanters, sorcerers and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I have had a dream that troubles me and I want to know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream and we will interpret it. The king replied to the astrologers, This is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honour. So, tell me the dream and interpret it for me. Once more they replied, let the king tell his servants the dream and we will interpret it. Then the king answered, I am certain that you are trying to gain time because you realise that this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me the dream, there is just one penalty for you. You have conspired to tell me misleading and wicked things, hoping the situation will change. So then, tell me the dream and I will know that you can interpret it for me. The astrologers answered the king, there is not a man on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among men. This made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death. And men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. Great, thanks Kate. Um, Just on the screen, um, let me introduce you to Craig and Jane Hamilton, um, better known as Britain's Best Psychics. Um, This is a title they gave themselves, not one that I've given to them. And I was doing some research uh, this week about dreams and the future. And um, I went onto their website and I watched some very interesting dream interpretations. Um, Obviously, they claim to be the best psychics in Britain. And apparently, um, this is one of the great things I gleaned from uh, Craig over there, 
He says that if you have a dream about being chased, you might be running away from something in your life. <laughs> Astounding. Astounding. Um, and it maybe reminded me when I was about six years old, um, I used to have a repetitive dream. I'm just coming on the screen right now. A dream of me and Super Ted being chased by Texas Peak. And um, obviously there was something, some, I was repressed in some way, no doubt, as a six-year-old, trying to escape my family life was probably what Craig would tell me. Another one of my recurring dreams, and this is one I have more frequently even now, um, is the one is here, is me lifting the World Cup. Um, I don't know what Craig and Jane would, um, how they'd interpret that, but my interpretation of that is that I'm a boy. I think that's what that dream quite clearly tells us. And we all have dreams, and um, the way that it would work is um, if you had a dream, you'd go to Craig and Jane, and they would kindly tell you exactly what the dream meant. And it's basically what would happen in, in Babylon. Um, just look at verse 3. Um, Neb says to them, this is his Craig and Jane's, I've had a dream that troubles me, and I want to know what it means. And so the traditional method would be, he'd tell his enchanters, magicians, etc., he'd tell them the dream, They'd go and open the book of dreams, and maybe Craig and Jane offered that one, I don't really know. Um, and he'd flick, they'd flick through and find out what he'd said and say, well, this dream obviously means this. Um, Neb, you've been dreaming about winning the World Cup again. You're probably still a boy. Well done. Now, it doesn't quite run like that in our passage, though, does it? Um, Neb seems to kind of flip with tradition and go his own way. Just look at verse 4. The astrologers asked the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Uh, which we know from last week is slightly ironic. Tell your servants the dream, and we will interpret it. So they're expecting this method of get the book, get it open, tell us what you said, tell us what you dreamed, and we'll tell you what it means. But verse 5, it all changes. The king replied to the astrologers, this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. It's funny how the mood can change quickly, isn't it? Um, you can imagine the astrologers and his chums sort of nervously laugh. <laughs> Good one, Neb. You're very funny today. Well done. And um, so they ask him again, verse 7, they let the king tell his servants the dream. Let's do it the traditional way. We much prefer that way. Uh, but Neb replies, I will cut you into pieces and turn your houses into rubble unless you tell me the dream. But seriously, Neb, come on. You know the way it works. You tell us the dream, we get the book, we interpret it. But he's having none of it. And their nervous laughs turn to despair very quickly. Look at verse 10. The astrologers answered the king, There is not a man on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among men. Neb is troubled by a dream. Here is the known ruler of the world, the one who claimed in chapter 1 to have all knowledge and life, and he's in the dark about his dream. It's just a simple dream which he can't understand. He's the king who's in the dark. He doesn't get it. You see, it doesn't matter how powerful and rich or how many enchanters or wise men and astrologers that Neb had. No one can reveal this to him. And it frustrates him. Because normally he can find out anything he wants. 
You can imagine him uh, demanding the enchanters, calling on the Babylonian gods. Tell us what this dream means. Tell us the dream. But their gods are seen for what they are. They are nothing. They hear nothing. They see nothing because they are nothing. The Babylonian gods cannot reveal this mystery. And so verse 12, this made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death and the men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends and to put them to death. Neb has a simple bad dream which he can't understand and so all the wise men of Babylon are going to pay for it. He's so desperate to know what it means. He's so annoyed that he's in the dark uh, that he reacts like a spoiled child, or in this case a spoiled tyrant, and orders the execution of hundreds. He says, you can't do what I ask, therefore you will die. Or because he has a bad dream, because he doesn't get it, because he's in the dark, because he doesn't know. It's not looking good for the wise men of Babylon, is it? And worse still, it's not looking good for Daniel and his friends, God's people. So what happens next? Kate, could you come and read from verse 14 for us, please? He asked the king's officer, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Arioch then explained the matter to Daniel. At this, Daniel went into the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. And then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and deposes them. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. Then Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to execute the wise men of Babylon, and said to him, Do not execute the wise men of Babylon. Take me to the king, and I will interpret his dream for him. Arioch took Daniel to the king at once and said, I have found a man among the exiles of Judah who can tell the king what his dream means. The king asked Daniel, also called Belshazzar, Are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? Daniel replied, No wise man, enchanter, magician or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. Your dream and the visions that pass through your mind as as you lay on your bed are these. As you are lying there, O king, your mind turned to things to come, and the revealer of mysteries showed you what is going to happen. As for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because I have greater wisdom than any other living men, but so that you, O king, may know the interpretation 
and that you may understand what went through your mind. Well, what do you do in a world uh, that looks out of control? We thought about this last week, don't you? Uh, Daniel models it to us. If you know that God is sovereign and he is good, when you're in danger, you pray. That's what he does. Straight away. Look at verse 18. He urged them, that's him and his friends, to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. And during the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. God wonderfully reveals this mystery to Daniel and his friends. He does what the gods of the magicians and the enchanters could never do, uh, what Craig and Jane, uh, Britain's best psychics, could never manage. God is the revealer of mysteries. And his revelation of this mystery will save his people's lives. God reveals the mystery to save life. And so Daniel and his friends, as they have this mystery revealed to them, do what people who know who God is sovereign and his good do. They praise. Verse 20. These are great verses, perhaps to take away and learn and meditate on. Verse 20. Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and deposes them. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. We talked about this last week, but it must have seemed to Daniel and his friends that that never ruled the world. And yet Daniel's song of praise here reveals what he knew all along. God is in control. He sets up kings and he deposes them. God is in control. The seasons, they're all in God's hand. Wisdom, knowledge, all come from him. Light itself emanates from him. We have a king who is in the dark and we have a God who dwells in the light, the source of all knowledge and wisdom. God is where truth and reality dwells. By revealing this mystery to Daniel and his friends, he saves their lives, declaring him to be who we know he is, the God who is sovereign and in control and the God who is good. And then Daniel, when he goes up to to Nebuchadnezzar, he doesn't say, oh, aren't I brilliant how I work this out. Look at verse 27. Daniel replied, No wise men, enchanter, magician or diviner, can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. Daniel humbly tells uh, what he lives out, that there is a God who is in control, a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. There's nothing special about Daniel. Uh, God graciously revealed the mystery to him that he might save his life. Neb's dream is all about the future, what will happen in days to come. And as we see, as Kate comes to read to us, it's no wonder that this dream troubled Nebuchadnezzar. Kate, can you come and read to us? Um, as Kate is reading, there's just going to be a few questions on, on the screen. Because um, after we've finished reading this bit, it'll be good to just have a chat with the person next to you what you make of these questions, uh, just for a couple of minutes. So if you're thinking, what is the dream? What does it mean? What happens to the statue? Um, Kate, over to you. 
You looked, O king, and there before you stood a large statue, an enormous, dazzling statue, awesome in appearance. The head of the statue was made of pure gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of baked clay. While you were watching, a rock was cut out, but not by human hands. It struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver and the gold were broken to pieces at the same time and became like chaff on a threshing floor in the summer. The wind swept them away without leaving a trace. But the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream, and now we will interpret it to the king. You, O king, are the king of kings. The God of heaven has given you dominion and power and might and glory. In your hands he has placed mankind and the beasts of the field and the birds of the air. Wherever they live, he has made you ruler over them all. You are that head of gold. After you, another kingdom will rise, inferior to yours. Next, a third kingdom, one of bronze, will rule over the whole earth. Finally, there will be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, for iron breaks and smashes everything. And as iron breaks things to pieces, so it will crush and break all the others. Just as you saw that the feet and toes were partly of baked clay and partly of iron, so this will be a divided kingdom, and yet it will have some of the strength of iron in it, even as you saw iron mixed with clay. As the toes were partly iron and partly clay, so this kingdom will be partly strong and partly brittle. And just as you saw the iron mixed with baked clay, so the people will be a mixture and will not remain united any more than iron mixes with clay. In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of a mountain, but not by human hands, a rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver and the gold to pieces. The great God has shown the king what will take place in the future. The dream is true and the interpretation is trustworthy. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honour and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all its wise men. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon, while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. Great, thanks Kate. Well, just with the person next to you, just a couple of minutes, have a chat through what we've just read. And there's the questions. What's it about? What does it mean? What happens to the statue? How is this similar to verse 5? Here's a couple of minutes and uh, I'll call it back together in two minutes time. Okay, let's, uh, let's gather it back in. I just want to make you all feel like the youth are at the moment with their exams. So a few questions for you under pressure. Um, anyone want to share? Um, what's the dream about? Fairly obvious. Someone shout it out. 
a statue. Thank you very much, Mr. Shaw. Um, what's the, what does the statue, different parts of the statue represent? Anyone want to share that? Kingdoms. Yeah, it represents the kingdoms, doesn't it? And what happens to the statue? Yes, that is a nice sign. We could all do that together, couldn't we? And then maybe a little bit of this as well. It's got it all. And um, how is that perhaps similar to verse 5? Did anyone get a chance to get onto that? Maybe I rushed you. Yeah, we've got this kind of parallel, haven't you, where um, Neb says, I'm going to basically chop you into tiny pieces and then do that to your houses and blow you away. And we get a very different thing going on, but with the kingdoms. And last week we were thinking, weren't we, all about how our world seems to be ruled by these kings and their kingdoms. And they seem so powerful and so strong. And yet this dream is the way that God has chosen to reveal reality to Daniel and to Nebuchadnezzar. And he's going to show us something about these earthly kingdoms that we must grasp and grasp it tightly. And so just let's look at the future of the world's kingdoms together. At the head of the statue, uh, we learn, is Nebuchadnezzar, don't we? Just look at verse 37. You, O king, are the king of kings. The God of heaven has given you dominion and power and might and glory. In your hands he has placed mankind and the beasts of the field and the birds of the air. Wherever they live, he has made you ruler over all of them. You are that head of gold. Uh, Neb is the one whose God has given all this power to. But one day, his kingdom will be gone. It'll end. And what about the chest and the arms of silver? Uh, well, I'm going to suggest I think that's I'm talking about the, the kingdom of the Medes and the Persians. And this kingdom barely gets a mention, does it, in verse 39? After you, another kingdom will rise inferior to yours. And the same is going to happen to that. It's going to get blown away. And then the belly and the five, five bronze, I think that's probably the Greek kingdom. It's a picture of that. But it'll go the same way as the Babylonians and the Medes and the Persians. It'll end. And then you get kind of the most scary kingdom, don't we? Um, the, the legs of iron feet of iron and clay I think that's the Roman kingdom the Roman empire if you like and that empire is a brutal one isn't it I program I love uh, watching on a Saturday morning with my housemate Stu Deering horrible histories it is a kids program but um, you know it's on at the time I get out of bed and, uh, but they see oh, every week there's something about the Romans and how horrible they were um, it's done in a slightly humorous way which is a bit strange but the whole point of the Roman empire is they were just cruel very good at killing very efficient um, the dream shows what's going to happen to the Roman Empire as well. It's going to be blown away. All the kingdoms of the world, all the empires there have ever been, have only ever lasted for a short space of time, haven't they? The British Empire, for example. Hitler, his Third Reich was going to last a thousand years. It didn't last too long. Pol Pot. And you think of Gaddafi. We think of all the kingdoms we see around the world, the American, China, wherever. They will all end. And so for people like Daniel, who are in a place where he's hostile to God and doesn't like his people, 
They must hold on to this truth. And we must too. This is our world. These kingdoms will end. Now, Christians around the world are routinely killed, but they must hold tight to this truth that one day those kingdoms that kill them will be gone. Smash to pieces. Now, did you see how the Roman Empire is going to end? Um, what happens? There's a, there's a rock, isn't there? This mysterious rock hits uh, at the feet. I think it's trying to show us it's going to happen within the time of the Roman Empire. And it starts a new kingdom, doesn't it? A new kingdom that will fill the whole earth and last forever. And I was trying to think about this rock um, this week. And, you know, you've got gold, silver, bronze, iron, all pretty shiny, look quite nice, um, look strong and going to last, all those kind of things. And you've got this kind of rock, this pebble, (laughs) this stone. And it just looks a bit rubbish in lots of ways. Um, here's, a, here's a picture just coming up on the screen. Um, she is a champion, okay, this lady. She looks a bit small and a little bit rubbish, no offence. Um, but guess what she's champion of? Guess what she's champion of? She is the world food eating champion. Um, she is the world's quickest eater. Um, I don't know what you're expecting, if you're expecting like, the world champion of eating food, which is a sport I'd like to get involved in, actually. Um, <laughs> But you expect probably a quite large, chubby, American kind of person. Um, And we've got this, she's called the Black Widow because she's like, apparently she's amazing. I watched a bit of her on YouTube. um, I eat this massive American guy. And it was incredible. Um, But she looks small, like she can't do very much. And yet she is the king of food eating. One of my heroes, I have to say. But it's the same with this rock. Um, Compared to the gold and the silver, it looks pretty rubbish. It's quite small. Um, But look what it does. Verse 34. While you were watching, a rock was cut out, but not by human hands. It struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver and the gold were broken into pieces at the same time and became like chaff on the threshing floor in the summer. The wind swept them away without leaving a trace. But the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the earth. There is a rock-like king who is going to have a kingdom that fills the earth. He looks a bit rubbish. And yet he crushes all other kingdoms. And here is the reality we must hold on tight to. One day, all kingdoms will be done away with. Evil kingdoms will go. But there will be a kingdom that goes on forever. The kingdom of the rock. Can you guess who it is? This rock has been God's plan right from the start. It's revealed during the reign of Rome. He is the God-man. And do you remember back in the early start of the chapter... Um, the gods do not live along, among men. Here he is, the one who is God who lives among men. This rock is none other than Jesus Christ, isn't it? He's described in 1 Peter, as we had read earlier to us, a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. 
He's the one who brings down kings and their kingdoms. Indeed, he does it on a personal level, doesn't he? Because what we make of Jesus will affect all eternity for us. He is the rock in the dream. He's the one when he comes down to earth, he says, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Well, the future of the rock's kingdom. It's an eternal one. A kingdom that will fill the whole earth. And he looks small and insignificant as he dies on a cross all those years ago, doesn't he? And yet it is his kingdom which is advancing around our world even today. It is the gospel about him, the mystery of Christ that will be revealed to the people in Cambodia through Jonathan and through Zoe and their family. As this kingdom fills the earth, as people from all around our globe trust in the rock, the mystery that is revealed that brings us life and salvation, just as it did for Daniel and his friends. The reason that Jesus causes people to stumble and fall It is what we make of him that will decide our eternal destinies. See, if we're in with the kingdoms of this world, then we will go the way of the kingdoms of this world. But if we are in with Jesus and in his kingdom, then we become part of a kingdom that fills the whole earth and endures forever. The revelation of this kingdom is a kingdom that brings us life. Just look at verse 44. In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. Endures forever. We're a massive church family here, aren't we, in lots of ways. And we know the pain as a church family when life ends. It ceases. Just like these kingdoms. And those are the very things, as we talked about last week, which make us question whether God is really in control. But here is this new part of reality that we must grasp. If we are in with Jesus and his kingdom, then we will endure forever with him. That's where we're headed. God will finally and fully one day fill the whole earth with his kingdom and it will have no end. And what a joy it will be to be with him on that day. There is hope. Our world so often feels hopeless. But here is reality. Here is the hope. A hope for change in our world. A hope for an eternal home with our king. God is in control. He is good. And the future, well, there'll be the end of oppressive regimes and the start of an eternal and perfect kingdom, the kingdom of the rock. And so let me pray that we would grasp this reality. And next week we'll start to see what it means to live with these realities in place. But let me pray that this week we'd start to think about this and let it seep deep into us and that we might live as we see next week. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you again for revealing to us reality, for helping us to look beyond appearances. We praise you so much 
that there is hope. That there is the hope of an eternal kingdom which fills the earth. Father, fill us with joy as we think about that. Help us to understand it, to embrace it, and to start to live out a life that is looking forward to your king and his kingdom. We are so stuck in this world so often, so please help us by your spirit to see this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we're going to finish our service by singing to our...